Books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. Welcome to another very exciting stay-at-home edition of Funny Books. You know, but I guess they're all kind of stay-at-home editions, aren't they? Fair. I mean, you know, it's 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 rarely ever that we're out on location or you know seeing each other. Yeah, uh, or that we talk about things in the outside world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, we have been uh, social distancing for over 10 years here at IOM Geek. Uh, <laughs> Before it was cool, we've been doing it. Yeah, yeah. Those who know, know. So, <laughs> anywho, uh, <laughs> uh, we don't have Wayne this week. Uh, he was unavailable today to join us. So, you got just, uh, you know, the standard two from the Kill Crew, yeah. Aaron and Paul. We are 50% capacity. Just like social distancing, um, we are 50% capacity here. That's right. That's right. Like, here here in, uh, in Virginia, in most areas of Virginia, there's two areas of Virginia that have not. We're in we're in that phase one um, uh-huh. of opening. So that means in here, at least in Virginia, restaurants can open, but they can only open their outdoor patios uh-huh. at 50% capacity. I think that we're at 25% is what we're doing. Okay. I don't know. I've not been to a restaurant, but... Uh, uh, we are in phase one, and we have opened restaurants, not bars. But if you've got a bar in your restaurant, that's okay. Yeah. Gyms open up on Monday. See, we are we have gyms, but you can only oddly enough you can do the gyms, but only if they are. Um, you can do outdoor classes at gyms. You can't actually have indoor uh, gyms yet. I I have actually been really surprised. I haven't gotten a text from my trainer. You know, so I'm 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 kind of curious about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was expecting to, you know, her to say, "Hey, I'll see you Tuesday," you know, at five a.m. But uh, <laughs> uh, I haven't, I haven't heard from her. And uh, I'd like to point out that while we're, you know, opening stuff back up in Texas, we've had our deadliest two days yet in Texas, and yeah. more cases identified than ever in Texas. So uh, I, I feel, I feel like maybe we're doing this wrong. <laughs> I, you know, all that stuff was. Hit. All that stuff had already happened. We're just identifying it now. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that's what we tell ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Well, thankfully. I, go ahead. You know, we, we've got to open back up, Paul, because we've got to be able to get new comic books. You know, I the world can't can't live on back issues alone. No, but you know we've been getting new comics. We've been talking about new comics. We've been talking about old comics, and and today we're going to talk about kind of both. Um, uh-huh. But you know, obviously, depending on how long you're going to be stuck at home in your lockdown and how things go, there's at least more streaming stuff coming your way or more television coming your way. You know, um, yeah. a new season of Yellowstone. We won't get off on a Yellowstone tangent. I promise. Comes out next. When month. is the news? Uh, June when? on June and uh. on Paramount Network. I need it now. I know. Well, <laughs> what's frustrating is I'm I'm torn, right? Because Aaron and I, it's one of those shows that Aaron and I, kind of like everyone who got into Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad at some point, right? Like you binge watch the first couple seasons and then you're caught up and now becomes the choice of, do I watch it weekly? I can't or do it. do I just I wait until it's all done? <clears throat> well, you only have to wait 10 weeks. I only Fair. do 10 episode seasons, so... Uh... I, I, I'm not going to be able to. I, I, I will not be able to watch it episodically. I'm going to have to to wait because, you know, the show's too darn good to mm. you know uh, have to number one watch through commercials and two <laughs> uh, wait till next week's show. I just no, I can't do it. Yeah, I, I won't agree. do it, Paul. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't watch live anyway because the commercials was already a deal breaker. But then when you actually uh-huh. when you have to figure out the. Um, you know, the weekly cadence. I'm like, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Legit. I'd rather spend the $25 to buy the entire season. Yeah. For yeah. something that I do technically that. get included in my cable package. Right. Technically. Technically. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, while we're, we're on the subject of, of shows, uh, there is a new show that I'm pretty excited about coming later this month. It's, you know, it's a little confusing because it says it's coming to um, Amazon Prime Video, YouTube, and Vimeo. Um, oh, okay. So I guess it's going. Maybe, I didn't know that things came to Vimeo. Me either. Um, yeah. So it, it, for those of, of us who are fans of the toys that made us or the movies that made us, and I am, 
Yeah, I, I really enjoy... It depends on the subject of the episode, obviously. Um, there is a new show that they're putting out called um, A Toy Story Near You. It's a docu-series that highlights some of the toy stores uh, in the United States and Canada um, that are just like ones they feel are, are worth having focused episodes on. So that's probably why it's on all three platforms. I'm going to assume these are five to ten minute episodes, interviews with the, with the uh, store owners... Um, you know, highlights of the store, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I, I think that'd be very interesting. I, I'd really like to uh, to watch that. And I'm kind of looking forward to, to it coming out later this year. Or, excuse me, later this month. Um, one of the things that's interesting on it is I haven't been to any of these except one. I've been to Super 7 out in San Francisco. Um, but that's it. And, you know, they've got... Uh, they're, they're focusing on toy stores in Las Vegas, Chicago, um, New York... Louisville, 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 Texas. How do you pronounce uh, it? Uh, yes, Louisville, Texas. Louisville, Texas. Yeah. Uh, Oregon, St. Louis, Kansas. I mean, nothing obviously in Virginia because even though we have some pretty killer, we have a pretty killer toy store um, locally. I think it's called Brian's Toys or something like that. Uh, it's a uh-huh. pretty significant toy store. Uh, so I'm assuming these are all independently owned toy store toy that's, stores. Yeah, that's the impression I get. Yeah. You know, when I was a boy, there was a uh, a toy store here in town called Toys by Roy, and they would actually advertise in front of of uh, the movies. You know, they they were back in you know circa nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty. There would be a Toys by Roy commercial in front of whatever movie you were watching. You know, at the at the at the at the, at the uh, local Cineplex. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, we, growing up, we had, I, I will say that's one of my frustrations nowadays with, as a collector, and it, honestly, I say frustrations, but it really just helps me control my spending, um, <clears throat> which is without Toys R Us, you, you're, you're relegated to Target and Walmart, which is just an exercise in frustration, or right. paying over pride, over, you know, or you're paying, you know, kind of higher than expected prices at you know, these toy stores are more, are basically the toy equivalent of a comic shop, right? You have your yeah. your classic toys that people have either traded in or whatever, kind of like your back your back issue bins. You have those, right? And then you have the newer toys that are at comic shop prices, right? They're not they're not charging the Target, uh, Walmart price. You're you're paying a, a yeah. bit of a premium as a as a direct you know retailer. Yeah, because to your point, you know, uh, with Walmart and Target being an exercise in frustration. They don't have a curated toy section. They have these are our toys, and they are bargain basement prices, yep, right? Exactly. You know, so 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 you you if they've got it, they've got a great price on it. But the problem is, is it's not a curated. Somebody's out there going, you know what? We're missing the uh, Superman Red Sun figure. We need to get that. No, we need to get a replacement here for that Superman Red Sun figure. Yeah. No. And just... by the way. What the hell happened to our Micronaut section? God damn it. What have I told you? We've got to have the Micronaut section completely stop because that one guy is going to come in here and want to buy them. All. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Walmart, God, if I see ever, if I ever see something that's a, that is a Walmart exclusive, I just basically buy it on eBay. Um, uh-huh. It's just an extra, those things are just, it's, scalpers are always going to beat you to the punch um, because uh-huh. they care more than you. And so, uh-huh. you know, I, I, and it's not the premium you pay for an eBay is worth the cost of me driving to four different targets or you know yeah your, your time to try has to find value it. yeah yeah your so, time has value but you know anyway we uh, we got off on a tangent but the, a toy story near you later this month um, you know go to the the toys that made us Facebook page or Instagram page and you know they'll they talk about it so I'm I'm very curious to see that I love watching. I think we all, as, as people who listen to this podcast, I think we all kind of like looking at people's collections. Um, uh-huh. And so this is kind of the equivalent of that because they're focusing on these cool shops, right? They're not they're not going to Target. They're showing cool toy stores. So I'm looking forward to checking it out. I, uh, I watched a documentary yesterday on uh, DC Universe with mm-hmm. Greg Rucka and Marv Wolfman. It's their secret origin story. And so what they do oh, is yeah, they I've bring... Yeah, it's kind of cool. You know, they, they've got the DC creators and they kind of interview each other in a rather formatted sort of sort of process. But they, they're standing in a comic shop and they're well, this is the comic that you know changed my life and yada, yada, yada. But it was nice. I, I enjoyed I, I always enjoy listening to Greg Rucka. He's very thoughtful. Yeah. About 
about the way he he uh, uh, crafts story and uh, what influences him and that kind of thing. And uh, Marv Wolfman's always interesting and amusing. So I, it was a, it was a nice pairing. And then I watched the one with Doug Mankey and uh, Francis Manupol. Uh, oh, I don't know. That uh, I've seen that anyway, one. Really interesting. And the well, and, and the, the one that I was amused by with uh, Doug Mankey and Francis Manupol is that you know Doug Mankey's a I don't know that I. I call him a bodybuilder, but he's certainly a weightlifter. Yeah, and I mean, he's a monster, Paul. <laughs> and he I follow him on Instagram, but yes. yeah, he's a he's a fucking monster, <laughs> and he's standing next to tiny little Francis Manupol, and I'm like, you know, Francis, you should be worried. <laughs> yeah, do not <laughs> because, piss off Doug know, Mankey. Yeah, do not do not antagonize the Mankey because he, he I will break you. <laughs> well, that's how uh, Greg Capullo is too. You know, he I, like he said, oh, I yeah. wouldn't call him a, a, a bodybuilder, but I would certainly call him a weightlifter. Yeah, yeah, also a monster. I mean, yeah. you know, Mankey versus uh, Mankey versus uh, Capullo. That's a fight I'd like to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I will, yeah, uh, I would love to check that out. I, I didn't realize that they had um, they had that out there. So. Definitely yeah, I think there's only I think there's only three of those so far. The third one I think's got Nicola Scott, and I forget the other. Uh, and they're called Secret Origins. That. Yeah, but it's it's a part that I don't think that's actually the name of the series, but it's it's the name of the episode, Secret Origins: colon, and then whoever the talent is. Hmm. Uh, I was having a hard time discerning how that uh, comes up, but if you look under original series in the app, you'll find it. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to check Prominent. it out. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, also, we see that uh, under the DC Universe uh, uh, original programming, Swamp Thing's getting a, a, if not a new life, a second life. Yeah. uh, Over on what, Fox? Fox picked it up? Yeah, well, no, uh, the the WB, or I'm sorry, the CW. CW. Uh, So, yeah, you you mentioned this. Not the WB. Not the WB. The... So because shows right now are not in production, right? So I, I don't think the new fall season that we're used to seeing in fall is, you know, the, the new season starting in September. Well, things aren't filming yet. So, well, you know, and that's, that's because pilot season never really got started this year. Yeah. You know, you have a whole season where people are pitching their pilots and, you know, uh, studios and uh, networks will say, okay, we're going to buy these and that's going to be the new shows for fall. Uh, that didn't get to happen this year. Or if it happened, it happened in a very abbreviated uh, yeah. fashion. Well, and those so, shows yeah. can't film, right? So unless it's already right. in the can, um, right. we're, what, what, what we're seeing is some stations are looking for programming, right? You know, some, some you know, sitcoms and stuff, assuming they can go back to film, they can turn and burn on those pretty quickly, right? They, they already have a short lead time, but some of these that take a little bit longer to produce, like a lot of the shows on the CW, they don't show sitcoms. They show dramas and superhero shows and things like that. Um, you know, they, they need more lead time to work on the special effects, to edit it, blah, 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 blah. Um, and because of that, they're they're kind of looking to fill holes in their programming. And so they announced this week that the CW purchased the rights, or I guess was, I don't know, it's all it's all owned by Warner Brothers, so who the hell knows. But they're going to be showing the Swamp Thing show that aired on DC Universe and was canceled after the first episode. Um, but, they you know, they, they did show, I believe, all eight or nine episodes of the series. Maybe it was uh-huh. 10. Um, so, you know, they, they're bringing that to the CW. And what I will find very funny is if the show does successfully on the CW. Because it is a good show. I genuinely liked the Swamp Thing series. Um, I, you know, I feel like it was... What, what hurt it in the end was the announcement of the, the cancellation that, you know, is still clear as yeah. mud as to why they did it. Um, you know, yeah, was it you know, I, tax breaks or whatever. I, yeah, the uh, it was not canceled because it was a critical failure or even a viewer failure. I mean, a- apparently, you know, decisions happen completely extraneous to generally those two things that you're looking for. Uh, but, you know, apparently there was a money thing and even some creative differences between uh, the showrunner and uh, uh, the studio. What I will find amusing is if it finds new life. You know, if if the, the ratings are such uh, that it warrants coming back for a second season, that's what I'll find amusing. 
and, and gratifying. I mean, I'm not a Swamp Thing fan. I haven't watched a single episode of that show, uh, but I would love to see. Uh, I'd love to see some success roll out of that to you know, to to turn that formula on its head. You know, one of the things that we're finding now in our sheltering in place, you know, coronavirus health crisis is that more people are watching broadcast television than have watched broadcast television in years and years and years. Uh, I was watching a, a story on the news the other day, and they were saying how Monday nights are now the biggest night in uh, television, which is amazing to me. Uh, I, the only thing that I'm watching, the only thing I'm watching on, on broadcast television really is the evening news. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I, legit. That's about it. In fact, there is almost nothing that I'm capturing on my DVR right now. Um, yeah, you know, same here. Well, Rick and Morty's most, back, so I'm, I'm recording that. <laughs> <laughs> well, most of the stuff I'm watching is uh, streaming. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, and I, you know, and, and I've said this before. I'm really not watching that much more TV now. Uh, really, I'm doing a, a bunch of reading and whatnot. But because you know, once the work day's over, I'm heading outside. You mm-hmm. know, just to just to break up my day, and so I'm, I'm chilling on the back deck. Uh, you know, reading a book or something, but you know, I, I, I'm I'm amazed, and it, it's not surprising because of how many people a who are unemployed, uh, and you know, b how many kids are out of school, and the fact that they can't go anywhere or do anything, um, you know, that TV is going to be a thing, and you know, that's likely to still be the case yeah. come the fall. You know, uh, more and more, what we're hearing in the science is, you know, this is our new norm. Uh, until the virus goes dormant or we get a vaccine. And, you know, a vaccine's not not likely this year, despite what some of our officials are telling us. Um, So, you know, we we will have some sort of restricted, still have some level of restriction coming into the fall, most likely. And so you're still going to have that viewership be up. So it could very well be a successful thing. You know, here you've got this this fully developed, you know, 10 episodes of, of a program that you know everything I read about it, and everybody I know who saw it liked it. Yeah, um, it, it could wind up being successful. Well, I think one of the things that's interesting about it is that Swamp Thing, even though you know it is a dark horror type show, I would actually say it's less mature um, or less R-rated, I should say, than Titans. Um, yeah, it doesn't have the level of profanity. It doesn't really have sex. It's got a little bit. You know, it's got some violence. It's got some. You know, but it doesn't have, to my recollection, a ton of f bombs or anything like that. So I think it's a very easy lift to uh, huh. to do some mild editing on it and show it on the CW. Well, Paul, I think we've missed our opportunity to pitch our own sitcom. Ah, I feel like I feel like we could have had you know the all new. I, I, I feel like it's a CBS show. Just to be, just just to say, I feel like it's a CBS show. It's a you know funny books there and Polly, of course, is the name of the show, and it's you and I. Sharing an apartment in Manhattan with our butler Wayne. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch it you know, as we as we produce our uh, our uh, you know weekly comic book podcast. You know the the flagship of our media superpower. You know, <laughs> well, yeah. and, and just funny like books. most CBS shows, if it does well, they can have Funny Books New York, Funny Books Los That's right. Angeles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I like it. I like it. Funny books, Hawaii. Funny books, Hawaii. Yeah, they because... can just get some old husbands, you know, some people who were popular in the '90s, and uh, <laughs> you know, cast them. Ah, well, yeah. uh, you know, like so you you we've been talking about like streaming media, like um, video and stuff like that. But they announced this week, DC announced um, an audio drama coming out this July, an adaptation of The Sandman, um, and it's got just the craziest cast. Um, Riz Ahmed, uh, Kat Dennings, Taryn Edgerton, James McAvoy, Samantha Morton, B.B. Newirth, um, Andy Serkis, Michael Sheen, and Neil Gaiman, uh, the creator of the, the Sandman, is the narrator. Um, and they're, you know, they're doing this audio drama adapted from the Sandman books. And I was, I never really got into the Sandman. I, you know, Same. I, I know that's a big goth thing and people still yeah. love it to this day. I just never, it was I, just not, not my jam. Neil, yeah. I'm not a Neil Gaiman guy to begin with. But, I respect him. I know I, I respect the quality of his work. Yeah. He's just never really 
done anything for me. Yeah, same here. And I've tried. He's written other things that I've tried. Yeah. And I'm like, meh, still not my thing. Yeah, um, I think the thing that I've enjoyed of his was uh, Miracle Man. Because uh, he, wrote, he, wrote, he wrote some of the Miracle Man books, or wrote the Miracle Man books after Alan Moore stopped writing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the thing that, that I've really enjoyed from him. And don't get me wrong, I think he's a very talented writer. He's just not my thing. Oh, I also enjoyed his uh, Norse mythology book. Uh, also yeah. a really good book. Yeah, that was pretty good. But yeah, I mean, so I'm interested in this audio drama. I mean, it seems like it could be uh, worth checking out. At least, I, I don't know how they're going to release it, but it's going to be on Audible. Um, I don't know if it's going to be yeah. episodic or done as one audio book. Um, but I'm intrigued. I'll check out the first episode. Or I don't know. I'm a, are you an Audible subscriber? I am not. Well, I am and have been for a very long time. And I, I listen to a lot of stuff on Audible, uh, particularly when I'm uh, driving, you know, doing a chore, working in a yard, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but they have had a fuck ton of original content. And I'm, I'm really curious of how much of that was already in the pipeline versus how much of that is, okay, we got a lot of people with time on their hands. Yeah. Let's fill their ears. I'm, I am certain that there's going to be some sort of documentary <laughs> when we're on the other side of the coronavirus about how uh, companies filled the void. Uh, and I'm really curious about some of that on how much of it was was uh, already happening versus, you know, hey, let's get some talented people together. Because, you know, like on Instagram, you see all all manner of original content going on right now on IGTV and whatnot. Like, you know, you got Patrick Stewart reading a, a sonnet to you every day. Yeah. Uh, and I saw yesterday that, you know, socially distanced Jonathan Frakes read a sonnet to you, <laughs> you know, special guest sonnet. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just I find all of this very interesting in how media is being generated right now. I do, too. You know, and, but to your point, I, I find that for an audio drama, I think that those with the right quality um, equipment yeah. could certainly be done. You know? yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah. So we'll see. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm very curious about some of this stuff. I think that we'll see more of this, like you said. Um, you know, we've been getting a lot of like. Uh, on the Star Wars page, Daisy Ridley reads a bedtime story, stuff like that. So, you know, and, and so obviously comics, we, we talk about this a little bit every week, have taken this shift. But we're starting to see comics roll back into comic stores. Uh, this week, DC had more new releases. Uh, next week's list, we'll see some more books from DC and start to see Marvel start, um, creep in. Marvel starts their new comics or you know starts releasing uh comics that i guess were or that were in the uh, the diamond warehouses so you'll see like it's just moving ahead um to something i normally talk about at the end but we'll see new issues of marauders and venom and uh you know a couple of other books from marvel as well as dc continuing to release their books but um dc solicitations came out this week for august and so you know we're starting to see things the things that originally were maybe scheduled for June starting to shift, uh, you know, more towards the August time frame because we lost almost two months worth of new right. releases. Um, and that that's inclusive of three jokers. Uh, three jokers is, has been in the can, was ready to be released and has been uh, delayed once more to August 25th, I think is the, the, the release date, assuming that nothing else goes wrong in the world. Um, right. But, you know, we're also getting the sequel to Deceased. You know, Dead Planet um, is the sequel to Deceased. That starts in July, continues into August. Uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal. Issue one is scheduled for June 17th. So we'll be, you know, getting into the series uh, proper. You know, we'll be at issue three by August. And if you look at the solicitations, you'll see um, some tie-in books. So they're, they're really... Well, I guess we could talk about this. Did you, I'm assuming, did you read the back matter in this week's Justice League about death metal? Did I? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Yeah, they've got a I read little this uh, interview I, with Capullo and I guess uh, I read Capullo this Tuesday night, so. Yeah, no, I sure didn't. I did not read that. I, you know, I saw the uh, the uh, Dark Dark Knight death metal uh, one-page ad, mm-hmm. and I just thought that the book was over. I didn't realize that there was all this stuff back here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, the, the, the issue comes, uh, the first issue comes out June 17th. Um, mm-hmm. And just, it, they, they seem like they're going to go bigger and, uh, you know, maybe have 
it, it looks like there's going to be a, a Dark Knight's Death Metal Guide book and some short stories. Um, and so I, I don't know why I'm excited for this story, considering I didn't really love metal. But I will say, now that metal is all together and there's no delays, I feel, well, I'm certainly going to revisit reading it um, in time for Death Metal. You know, I'll probably read it like a week or two before. So maybe mm-hmm. I'll talk about it because I know Wayne recently read it too. So it might be a good conversation for for Wayne and I to have. I'm not going to volunteer you to reread it because I know you hated it. Um, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, you know, we'll, we'll, I did I did hate it quite a bit. Uh, yeah, so I think we'll have a, another uh, we'll have a metal conversation uh, leading into death metal. Um, mm-hmm. But but a couple of interesting things that that I noticed in the solicitations: Green Lantern Earth One Volume Two. Uh, I didn't even know that that uh, Earth One was still a thing. Me either, and I like that Green Lantern that, book. Yeah, that Green Lantern book was badass, and I, I saw that this week, and I'm like, I had no idea. I had no idea that they were working on anything about Earth One. I feel because like for Earth One to still be successful, Superman. I'm sorry. How long has it been since we got a Superman book? A few years. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that. Yeah. I'm 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 gonna definitely um, you know pick that one up because I I enjoyed the first one. I do think that Earth yeah. One to be successful, like they probably need to release more of them. Then it, it feels seems... like they should be releasing at least two books a year, at least, and with better yeah. advertising. Um, uh huh. In fact, I don't know why they wouldn't make it a five week thing. That every time you've got a five week, which is what quarterly, mm-hmm. um, you release a hardcover. I don't understand why they don't do that. Yeah, I don't either. We've talked about that in the past, and it's yeah. they still haven't grasped onto it. Um, yeah. You know, they, there was also interestingly enough, I, I saw you know the Nightwing tie-in books for the uh, the upcoming Joker War, and mm-hmm. uh, Dan Jurgens is writing Nightwing, and I don't know if that's just it. for the Joker War or if he's currently writing it, and I need to go look into his run on the book. Yeah, I got to check that check that out because I saw Dan Jurgens on that. I'm like. I I could get involved in a Dan Jurgens joint. Yeah, I could be up for that. Yeah. Um, another thing that I found interesting, uh, it's not really in the solicits, but it, it's something that I was reading about that a couple of DC books are wrapping up their series digitally. Um, so what is uh, that? So that means that like the last print issue has already seen the light of day, and they're gonna you know uh, some of the some of these books like Supergirl. And there's a couple of other ones. Um, will just not like the last three issues or whatever will just be released digitally instead of interesting. And they'll only be released in print on um, you know in their trade paperbacks. In trade, yeah. Interesting. Well, at least they're they're wrapping them up. Yeah, um, yeah. Because yeah. I think a lot of stuff was already scheduled to wrap up in anticipation of the five G thing um, that DC uh-huh. had planned. But you know, for for all intents and purposes. What we're hearing, uh, you know, rumor on rumor sites is that uh, 5G is no longer a thing. You know, that that, that, that yeah, original I, I, plan has basically been scrapped or replaced with something. Yeah, that, 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 that went out the door with Dan DiDio. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's, you know, it, it reminds me of what you hear about Hollywood all the time is that, you know, you may have had a, a, a picture in the works, uh, but when that... Uh, when that producer gets fired at the studio, all of his projects go with him, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of that kind of sounds like what happened with Dan DiDio yeah. and 5G. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that's interesting about 5G is that it was never officially announced, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, I mean, the it it, it, it was a, a poorly held secret, but it was right. never officially announced. So you know, they yeah. they basically steered the ship away from that plan. Um, so, you know, as far as, but you, you'll still see it in the solicitations for August. Um, you know, Joshua Williamson is wrapping up his run on the flash that started with rebirth. Um, you know, Harley Quinn is wrapping up that series as well. So a lot of these storylines that the, the, this whole Joker war thing is supposed to wrap up the, you know, this run on Batman. Um, so I, I'm very curious to see if 5g is not going to happen. What is, uh, yeah, I mean, that. My guess is, you know, 5G, I, I, I can't get a handle on 5G on whether it predated Bendis coming over to DC and, and Bendis just got to put some, some uh, you know, mustard on it. Um, 
or if that was, you know, if Bendis had a hand in creating it. My suspect is that it's the former, that he just got to put some mustard on it. It would not surprise me to see that, you know, all of this new Marvel talent that they have over at DC now starts guiding the next big thing. You know, that, yeah. you, that you don't see a big Bendis crossover coming up that, that you know, is totally uh, a Bendis-branded sort of thing. Yeah. You know, like like uh, uh, Secret Invasion over mm-hmm. at Marvel, yeah. you know? You know, I do think that, uh, you know, the, the whole thing about death, the whole thing that they were setting up in 5G is that these heroes were basically going to be replaced with younger counterparts. Um, Which, you know, seems like 1995 all over again, right? Yeah. I mean... The, like five years or ten years ago in Marvel, right? You had Jane uh-huh. Foster, Thor. You had Sam Wilson, Captain America. Just a more diverse, you know, group of superheroes. Um, you know, inheriting the the mantle. I'm I'm going yeah. to assume that DC was like, eh. I think it's I mean, a mistake, given that they've just come out of rebirth. Yeah. Right. I mean, I feel like they need to live with these characters a little bit longer. I understand that everything is cyclical, but man, the cycles are coming so fast these days you know uh you know when when you look at how we had never had you know hard reboots before before uh crisis on the infinite earths and now they're just happening like it it feels like every other year yeah uh when we get some major event that resets everything so i i because i am particularly happy with where my uh heroes are in dc comics right now i'd really like them to leave it the fuck alone and tell the stories in this in the space that you have versus, you know, recreating origin stories again. Yeah. But yeah, I know I'm I'm an old I'm an old reader. <laughs> right, and I think that's part of it. We're we're, yeah. we're the older guys. We like their you know we like. And here's the thing: I don't mind comic change. I just don't mind. I just don't love. I just don't change. want to reset. The I don't entire like fake thing. change, right? Yeah. Yeah, let's not, you know, turn it all the way back to zero. Let's have a change within the context and continuity of what you're doing Mm -hmm. um, so that it doesn't feel like, you know, damn, you know, now now I get to read this uh, this the same goddamn origin story all over again. Or I can just stop reading this comic. Yeah, I like like event books. I just don't like universe altering event books every time, every year. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're actually going to talk about kind of a, a, an event book here in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I guess this episode of Funny Books is a tale of two Justice League stories. <laughs> um, so DC, like we said, is releasing new print comics, uh, limited print releases, uh, which are also available digitally and which I complained about last week being available on Tuesday, not Wednesday. But I shouldn't complain because you get new, you cut new comics more frequently. But, you know, it's still well, it's, it's a little what. confusing. <laughs> I read this. I read this Tuesday night, and I'm having to flip through it, going, "What did I read again?" <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's actually one of the things I'm going to talk about. Uh, so this week's issue of Justice League, uh, under a cover by Francis Manupol, written by Robert Venditti, art by Hermonico. Um, so this is the second arc uh, of of Justice League after um, Scott Snyder left the book. They're you know they're they're kind of continuing this little bit of a palate cleanser easy entry books you know stories into justice league um you know it doesn't feel like we're building on another 50 issue story arc um you know multi-year story arc this kind of feels like okay this is you know honestly this this feels comparative to the types of stories for me that we're getting in those dc digital daily books Mm -hmm. like it's just easy entry you know characters are acting like you would expect them to act um, in iconic fashion. Yep, very right. li- minimal references. There is a reference to Superman revealing his identity, but other than that, minimal references to what's going on in the larger universe. Right. Um. So, what do you think of, of Justice League Forty Four? I was entertained. Uh, like like you said, it's sort of easy reading. Um. The even though the villains are great big monsters, it felt like pretty low stakes. Mm-hmm. Um. But I enjoyed the character moments, you know, I I particularly enjoyed the, um, the truthfulness between the characters, you know, where, where folks are sort of, uh, you know, saying what's on their minds for, you know, reasons. And, (laughs) 
you know, where where Batman, you know, just comes out and complains to, to Clark and says, you held a press conference to announce to the world that you're Superman and you didn't run it by me first and just complains about that openly. And it just kind of shocks everyone until everyone starts sharing their truths. And it actually reminded me of Justice League War, the animated movie mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, Wonder Woman's like, tell me your truth, you know, and, yeah. you know, she, she throws the lasso around the guy who's complaining about her, you know, who's protesting her uh, to to get his actual truth. It sort of reminded me of that moment. Uh, I, I dug it. I, you know, it, it was like I said, it was sort of uh, it was comfort food reading. Right? It is, it was it is very much. Com- and so, so is the yeah. last arc with, uh, you know, the eradicator. Like this is comfort food reading Justice League. Yeah. Um, yeah. Honestly, which again is just like those DC daily books. The characters yeah. are going to act. You're going to, you're not going to get something that's going to change your life, but right. these are the types of stories that we read growing up. Um, mm-hmm. That's just, you know, it's just easy. You know, you read your yeah. comic, you walk away. Um, you know, honestly, there's really nothing in this issue particularly worth talking about other than the fact uh, except that. Except that last page. With the Spectre? That last page. Yeah. I fucking love the Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I, what I found, what, one of the re- things I wanted to talk about in this book is the, you know, that that at the end, the Justice League kind of, you know, they're they're all, something awakens the anger uh, in them um, against each other, right? Like Superman's like, I've been carrying all of you. And, you know, you mentioned the, um, you know, the whole thing about Batman confronting uh-huh. Clark um, about revealing to the world his, you know, his secret identity. And right. it kind of put me in the mind of... Um, of this next book that we're going to talk about that we, we, we talked, we said we were going to talk about, which is um, superpowers. Uh-huh. Because one of the, uh, the biggest thing, uh, one of the story, big, big storylines that, that happens in the first arc that's collected in the superpowers trade paperback is about awakening the racial memories of the Amazons to get them uh-huh. to be angry at, at mankind again. And I'm like, so I, I read this week's Justice League book, you know, shortly after reading Superpowers. And it was just funny to me. I'm like, oh, they awoken the racial memories in the Justice League against each other. <laughs> um, so, you know, Superpowers, we, we talked about it last week because we saw the Apocalypse War movie. Right. And, you know, someone had described it as kind of the modern Superpowers, you know, equivalent of Superpowers. And I'm like, was you know it you, Paul? No, you I mean, way? I described it that way, but only because someone else <laughs> online described it that way. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Superpowers by Jack Kirby is the, the name of the, the trade paperback. It was on sale or it's available on your DC Universe app. You don't have to pay for it. Um, so everyone knows I am a huge fan of Jack Kirby and the New Gods. And Superpowers was a tie-in to the comic line of the same name they released a different superpowers series annually with to coincide with the three like launches of the toy line um 1984 1985 and 1986 and by 1986 jack kirby wasn't involved in it um so i think jose luis garcia lopez um yeah he did the the third book yeah yeah Um, kirby kirby uh was involved in the first two books yep but Uh, to be clear Yes. Too clear. <laughs> uh, Jack Kirby only, in the first five-issue miniseries, he only plotted the first, the, he only plotted the series yes. until issue five, where he uh, plotted, scripted, and uh, penciled it. Uh, he, he did the covers, but man, let me tell you, the artwork <laughs> in yeah. issues one through four is rough. It is. It's rough, Paul. <laughs> it's rough. Um, so the the artist on issues one through four is Joey Cavalieri. Um, uh, he's a good artist. He is. Yeah. But or Adrian Gonzalez. It looks like they they've got a. I'm oh, sorry. The script is by Joey Cavalieri. The yeah. pencils are by Adrian Gonzalez. Yes. Um, until issue five, like we said of that. So it was a five. There's a five issue series and a six issue series. The five issue series, like we said, plotted by Jack Kirby until the fifth issue which he took over the art chores as well. And then mm-hmm. he does the, the story and pencils um, in the second arc, but he, but it's written by Paul Kupperberg right. um, is, is the second arc. So it, it's Jack Kirby's superpowers ish. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, the, the cover would have you believe 
that the whole thing is Jack Kirby. You know, because the cover on mine, yeah. and I'm not sure which version you have, but the cover on mine says Jack Kirby Superpowers. It does. And then you flip it open and it says Superpowers. And then you keep yeah. going and it says Superpowers by Jack Kirby is the title page inside. Yeah. And and before we get into the actual story, mm-hmm. uh, I want to say something about this trade. Um, this is a trade that's what got uh, 11 issues of, yep. of, of a comic. Um, it is the first time that these books have been collected together. And there is no essay in this book. There is no introduction in yeah. this book. There is nothing here to place this story into context, either in what was going on in uh, comics and DC comics at the time, which I think is significant. And there's certainly nothing to place this in Jack Kirby's career. And I think what's, what one of the things that's super significant about this book is that this is Jack Kirby coming over to DC Comics after he has had it the fuck up with Marvel, right? So he he rage quits Marvel, heads over to DC Comics, you know, does his his new gods thing, works on superpowers, and this is one of the only times in his career that he earns residuals on work that he does, yeah. right? That he gets a piece of the action, <laughs> you yeah. know. Uh, because while that may be standard in today's business, back in those days, you know, keep in mind we're talking about, you know, 1984 to 1986, that was almost unheard of. You know, people were certainly talking about it. You had uh, the Epic Comics imprint going on over at Marvel at that time that allowed some creator-owned. But in terms of the work creators were doing for the publishers, Marvel and DC doing their Spider-Man work or their Superman work. They weren't getting, they were getting, you know, their work for higher payments, but really almost nothing else. Um, and this is where Jack Kirby gets rewarded for his work, uh, you know, with characters that he designed. Um, I, I, I think that's significant. I think it's significant to talk about the influence that toys had on our comics. Cause you know, we've got superpowers happening at DC we got Secret Wars happening over at Marvel. I think this is significant. Uh, and there were a lot of comics tied into toys around this period. But again, it's just this big absence of any kind of context uh, for these stories. And I mean, if you're, if you're just buying the book for the stories, I think that you're, you're really missing a piece of this. Absolutely. Um, I agree yeah. with you. Uh, you know, honestly, yeah. I, I went to Wikipedia before I read this book. Um, because I wanted to, to remind myself of the time period in which this was happening, right? That this was intended as, right. a, as a link to this toy line to sell, you know, to sell this to- these this wide range of toys that I still have some of. Well, I shouldn't say still because I didn't, I don't have the ones that I bought back then. I have the ones yeah. that I bought recently. Um, I love superpowers. A, a lot of guys, you know, our age or, uh, you know, are, are, age. are, are, are my age, <laughs> yeah. um, very fond of superpowers, uh, you know, the mid eighties. I I think it's important, you know, Paul, this, this kind of hit you square between the eyes, you know, based on how old you were at the time. Uh, I was aware of superpowers, but I was a senior in high school when this, this, when this series started. So the toys weren't aimed at me, nor were these, nor were these stories. In fact, I remember when the, uh, books came out and I never, I, 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 you know, uh, Truth be told, this is the first time I've ever read these stories. I had never read these these the superpower stories before, uh, because when I saw the the ads, I was like, "What a weird name for a comic book series to call it superpowers." That sounds so generic. Mm-hmm. And yet, while while that ad campaign and that marketing did not work on me, it was wildly successful. Oh, yeah. Because it was it was not aimed at you know guys who were seventeen years old, they were aimed at guys who were ten years old or eleven years old or twelve years old. They were aimed to a much younger audience than mm-hmm. a lot of comics that were being produced at that time were. Um, this was aimed at the Saturday morning cartoon guys because, I, and I never knew this, Paul. Uh, I, when I was doing my research for it, that's wow, weird. We both did research. That almost never happens. <laughs> uh, you know, this these stories, the superpower stories, are considered part of the Super Friends timeline. Yep. You know, and 
one of the things I remember when I was, when uh, this was happening, I didn't understand the branding changes that were occurring on Super Friends in the morning. Not that I was watching it, but I'd see you'd have a new title for Super for Super Friends. It was like Super Friends and the Legendary Superpowers or whatever it was. And I'm like, what are they doing? I didn't understand that. But again, what named it me was aimed at you know kids much younger than me. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm sort of fascinated by that. I am too. I'm and fasc- honestly, it would have been great to have like a nice essay with pictures and you know some of the ads of the toys at the time um at the beginning of this book i would have loved that yeah and you know i think that's probably an opportunity for them later on i don't know why they just sort of ran to get this done um but you know there are three major superpower series there's the the two that we're going to talk about today there's that third one that we talked about that didn't involve Jack Kirby at all. And then there's a series that I was completely unaware of until I, again, research. Uh, there were a series of superpowers backup stories in the pages of Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye. Oh, the most recent one, yes. Yeah, and I'm like, huh, I've got some of those books. I'm going to have to go look at those. They're pretty so, terrible, just FYI. The Cave Carson books or the backup stories? The backup stories. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I read it there. I, I, I will await us following up on this conversation <laughs> um, to, to see what you thought of them. Well, um, go ahead. You, you want me to just dive in, Paul? Yeah, let's go for it. So these first five issues, uh, and as I said, as we said, not drawn. Uh, the first four issues are not drawn by Jack Kirby. They are plotted by Jack Kirby. Um, with scripts by Joey Cavalieri and pencils by Adrian Gonzalez, I found these first four issues excruciating. Oh, yeah. I was I, I, I was like, oh oh my god, these are these these are terrible. Again, not written for me, right? They were not written for seventeen year old Aaron. They're certainly not written for the guy I am now. Um, they are very much written for children. It felt almost. You remember those old Marvel Spidey super stories? Yeah, that's what that felt. This felt like to me. What this read um, to me very much was these felt like animated, like uh-huh. an animated they episode felt, from 1984. They oh. felt like the Super Friends. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, not not aimed at me, so I get that. But and and I feel like you can have. I think the brilliance of a lot of what happens in comic books is that many comic books, or I should say successful comic books, are written on two different levels. There is the level for the younger audience, and then there is a level for a more mature audience, right? You know, where, where you know, the, the older reader is going to get something extra out of it that maybe the younger reader is not. And that's not this book at all. This book is straight on, two-dimensional, aimed directly, narrowly at that young audience. And one of the things that I find particularly frustrating, but probably works for a younger audience, is how repetitive the stories are. Because these stories mm-hmm. are templates. Each of these, and I hate to say it, the entire series is a template of we're gonna we've got to go get a thing, we've got to figure out the thing, get the thing, come back with the thing. Yep. Right. And that's every single issue, all eleven issues. That's the thing. Yep. And I, I mean, I'm like, oh my. God, <laughs> but that formula works for a younger reader. Obviously, a more mature reader is going to be able to say, you know, this is the same damn thing I read last time. Yeah, and it is it is excruciating to read. And so the payoff for me, I slogged through these first four four issues. I did by too. The way. I did too. I, I, yeah, I was like, God, this is. It, does Paul hate me? You know, why is uh, it, it, it has been 36 years since <laughs> I've read this comic, Aaron. <laughs> well, but you get to issue five where Kirby's drawing, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's amazing. You know, you understand why Jack is the king. Yeah. Because even though it's still the same fucking template, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's the same bullet points you're hitting. His visual storytelling style is so immersive, dynamic, and amazing that you can't you can't help yourself. In fact, you know, we were gonna record on, on Saturday morning and on Friday, I mean I was I was just finishing up issue four 
and and was about to just say, you know, Paul, I'm not, I don't know fucking way I'm getting through this thing. But I got to issue five where Kirby's working on it, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is this is awesome. I got to finish this, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to race through the second half, yeah. uh, which is, you know, all Kirby all the time. Uh, so I took it in two chunks. And I got to tell you, I'm so glad I did because while, again, the stories are painful, <laughs> they're painful, Paul, mm. the artwork is just amazing. I, I mean, I just, I, it, it's not his best work. No. Don't get me wrong. Uh, if you want to see, you know, the, in my opinion, the best of Jack Kirby, Go read his uh, later issues in Fantastic Four or almost anything of the New Gods. But uh, other than that, I mean, the, 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 the stories are great. I mean, he's got this great full full page of Metron that I was just transfixed by. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot going on in those pages. There are things that are straight out of that time frame, you know, right? Yeah. You know, so it is the Super Friends, you know, uh, uh, timeline. So... You are going to see Batman refer to uh, Robin as old chum. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I cringed, cringed, Paul, at some of his depictions of Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. Where she is fawning over Metron. He he seems so noble, so sincere. <laughs> For the first time in hours, I, I feel like the Earth has a chance to survive. And she's holding her hands by her face, like, oh, oh my God, you know, I just, I'm like, oh, oh my. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it is, it is very much a product of its time, but even more so than that, it is a product of its time that's written for kids. Um, Like the cover art is very, yeah, it's got the logo from the toys and it's just very much, yeah, every issue is big, shiny, colorful superhero action. And so, you know, I, I feel like, um, I feel like there's a charm to these books as painful as they are. In in addition to the art, there is a charm of revisiting this, this era of DC history um, that quite frankly, books like the dark Knight returns and Neil Adams, Batman and Watchmen were a retaliation against because, you know, comics had become too soft. And, um, Mm -hmm. but one of the things that, that I found most interesting about the second half of the book, um, is that the first series is very much self-contained. It, you know, it's got, you know, it's very much, it feels like a toy arc tie-in. The second series, when Jack Kirby takes over the, you know, the, the, the art full time, continues after the events of the Hunger Dogs. Right. Where, you know, which is the, the originally, you know, Dark, uh, Jack Kirby was originally, that was his conclusion to the New God saga. Yeah. Which is in continuity. Yeah. Right. So this is a sequel out of continuity to an incontinuity story. A little confusing there. Yeah. Um, but to your point, like a little bit of context would have helped, uh-huh. um, you know, in an essay format or, or just something like in the events of the of the hunger, you know, the hunger dogs. This is what happened. Um, yeah. But I will say the second series is much more what you are, what you're used to when you're seeing dark side you know you get your calabac you get your um steppenwolf you get your um uh, uh Desaad, you get those yeah. characters whereas in the first book i'm like i don't know who any of these bad guys are <laughs> <laughs> right um you know the second book definitely has a cast of yeah, characters because they created in the first series they they created bad guys specifically for the book yeah and I don't. There weren't toys released for those guys, no. so I don't know why they did that. That, that seems a that 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 seems a poor choice. I think they were just there to basically give the bad guys superpowers. Yeah. You know, to give Joker and Penguin and um, Brainiac and. It just seems like Desaad and Steppenwolf and those guys could have done that. Yeah, you would think so, <laughs> but yeah. you know, definitely. So there is a shift from. Well, yes, they generally still follow the same story, which is we're going to separate a specific group of heroes and they're going to deal with one specific villain and to get one specific thing. Um, there, there's definitely a shift from first book to second book um, that I appreciated. And, I, you know, it, I, I like I said, I while they it, it, some of it's that storytelling is still cringeworthy and it's definitely a product of its time. I, I did enjoy revisiting at least the second series for yeah, sure. Yeah, I thought the second series was far and away better. 
Um, I didn't have to stop reading the second series to take exactly. to say, oh god, like it wasn't pain. It, it, it wasn't as much of a struggle to finish the second series. I was super amused, and you, you see other artists do this as well. But I think Kirby uh, does it frequently, particularly in the series, that he'll lay out his page. And then he'll realize that he's not afforded himself enough room to do what he wants to do in a given panel. So he'll crush the character into that panel. Yeah. Uh, you know, for for no reason other than that's the space I had in the panel. It doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, the story doesn't demand it. It doesn't further uh, a bit of action. But he's just like, I'll just make the Flash run in a really bizarre fashion so that he'll fit in this panel, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I found myself getting really amused by that as the story went on because, you know, I just kind of see him laying out his board and, you know, getting, you know, because he's he's probably doing this in the Marvel style, right? Where yeah. he's going to, ju- you know, he knows where the, where, the, uh, where the beats have to be and he's just laying out his pages. And then, okay, I got to cram this guy in here. Okay, well, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably not wrong. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that was interesting, you know, as I finished reading the book, I was like, you know what occurs to me, especially now that I've seen Apocalypse War, um, you know, now read, read Superpowers, the Dark Side War, all the all the Dark Side stuff that we've read. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it occurs to me, is there anything left in the well when it comes to Dark Side? My favorite superhero villain, you know, my my favorite comic book villain is Dark Side. Right. Is there anything left in the well? That's worth telling when it comes to Darkseid. Now, I, there is something, there is apparently a story arc going on in Justice League Odyssey, but I'm not reading that book um, right. involving Darkseid. But in general, it feels like, to your point about the template, a lot of rinse and repeat when it comes to Darkseid. Mm-hmm. Either we have to go to Apocalypse and start Darkseid, or Darkseid's coming to our world and we have to stop him. And it's the same, same. But it, it, it's, it's kind of the Thanos thing, right? Like, you can't tell a story about Thanos unless it involves an Infinity Gem. Every time, every right. time, um, you know, is is Dark Side essentially done as as a major event player, um, or is there still? I you know, I, I would be very curious to see what the right writer would do with Dark Side. I, I feel like the for me the only thing that that would work for Dark Side anymore that isn't just repetitious. And I enjoy the Dark Side War, which is the most recent real event book that had him. Um, mm-hmm. A hell of a lot more than I enjoyed Final Crisis, um, but I think the, the 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 writer that I'd like to see do something there would be Hickman, um, because I feel like it would need to be a big space opera and not just superheroes fighting off an invasion or superheroes going to the alien planet to fight Darkseid, because that's pretty much all we've gotten when it comes to Darkseid. I feel like what we're missing in Darkseid stories now. Uh, to your point of what what dark side stories remain to be told is that we have really gone so far over to knowing what's going on in the villain's lair, right? We know too much about dark side. <clears throat> There's really not a lot of mystery there anymore. Um, and we we don't see much opposition from the new gods anymore. You know, you the new gods that we know well are Miracle Man, Mr. Miracle, Mr. Miracle and Barda, right? Those are the, those are our, our, our two, you know, scot-free and Barda and that's it. We don't get to spend time with High Father and Orion and Light Ray like we used to. I think that the opportunity for storytelling is to return Dark Side into that guy you rarely see as opposed to him being so ubiquitous through the DC universe. Um, you know, I, I think he's got that He's got that Wolverine problem, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's so popular, we're going to put him in all the books. The Thanos problem, uh, you know. I mean, it, yeah, because Thanos for a while, like, what, there is no mystique behind that character anymore. As right. much as I love him, I love the stories. I love the iconic stories of those characters, but I don't know. I struggle to under to, to like again. Darkseid is a, a key player in Justice League Odyssey, yeah. but I'm not picking it up because I'm like, I don't know what else there is left to tell on this character. Well, and from my point of view. Uh, Darkseid is literally the big bad. He's it. He is the biggest, baddest guy in the DC universe. So if Superman can fight him to a standstill, how big and bad is Darkseid? Um, 
so I think that you've got to pull Darkseid back and have him be, you know, he, he is the aloof ruler who would not sully himself by getting into a fist fight with someone. Um, you know, he is, and I think that's part of the problem with the, with, you know, at the beginning of New 52, where he fights the Justice League in the streets of uh, Metropolis. Metropolis or New York? I forget where that was. Anyway, not, not important. Where he fight, where he fights the Justice League, it really brings him down. It elevates the Justice League yeah. and and reduces the threat of Darkseid because again, if Superman can fight him to a standstill, and we know Superman can be taken out by any number of things, how powerful truly is Darkseid? We should be able to see Darkseid pulling the strings. And I know we've seen stories like that before. But I think that you really need an arc where he's working in the backgrounds, long-term plots. I, I, if I was going to do an event book, if I was going to you know, have Jonathan Hickman come in and say, hey, let's tell a great big New, new Gods dark side story, I would want him to do something like he did with Secret Wars, that it is a long journey yeah. to get there mm-hmm. with, with multiple steps and planning. And that you don't see the real villain revealed until the very end. Uh, and I want to know High Father again. I want to know Orion again and, and all those other new gods. You know, I don't feel like there has been a decent new god reboot in a very long time. I agree. And I, I think there's an... I mean, I think the last, in my opinion, the last good depiction of the new gods was Mike Manola's Cosmic Odyssey. Yeah. Um, and... Which is funny because Cosmic Odyssey is literally the same as what we just read yeah. um, in Superpowers, except it it you know it, it has a it had more of a lasting effect. Yeah. In fact, I had I had it in my head after I finished Superpowers. I'm like, I feel like I need to go read Cosmic Odyssey now. I love Cosmic <laughs> you know, Odyssey. I it's love a great Cosmic book. Odyssey. It's a it's a it's a great visual storytelling book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, damn. Uh, I, I feel like John Stewart's still living with the uh, consequences yeah, of that book. He is. You know, I mean, that's how that's how big a book that is. Um, anyhow, uh, long story short, I I think you're right. I think a Jonathan Hickman can oh. tell that story, but I think the answer to are there a, more stories to tell with Darkseid is that you got to change the kind of stories you're telling, and I think the way you do that is you pull him out of the books. You pull him out of the books. You let him recede to the darkness. Let's not set things on apocalypse for a very long time. Uh, but, you know, if I was thinking, if I was Darkseid, what would I do? You know, because we, we always see Darkseid recruiting, right? It's mm-hmm. not enough that he's got Calabac and Steppenwolf and Desaad and, you know, the Furies, all those folks. He's always recruiting new people as well. I'd go recruit the big bad guys. You know, I it, I, I would, you know... Get me some Superboy Prime. Get me some Eradicator. Yeah. You know, get, get those get those big guys so that you can deploy them. Um, you know, one of the things I really enjoyed about the recent uh, DC animated film was the concept of the Paradooms. That's a very dark side solution. It is. And I went and I rewatched Justice League. Uh, I rewatched uh, Flash Paradox recently and uh, Justice League War. And one of the things I caught was, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten that they had, uh, that Desaad had captured Superman for a period of time in war, which is where he could have gotten some of that Kryptonian DNA. Um, and so, I mean, there are actually elements from those, from those movies, uh, and even in Flash, uh, Flashpoint Paradox, uh, that come back and are rewarded in that final uh, uh, animated feature mm-hmm. that came out a few weeks ago. I I have to. I have to say, I'm I'm surprised at how strong the storytelling is there. I, I am too. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I you know I am glad that I spent some time with Superpowers again. This is my first exposure to it. Uh, I have never I've never read these books before. Uh, I I'm glad I did because I you know uh, I, I I really did enjoy the Jack Kirby art in it. Um, I think. I, I, part of me thinks that they should publish this in some in some sturdier stock so that you can give them to kids. You yeah. know, uh, I, I I think that you know your your seven to ten year old might really get a kick out of these books. I don't disagree. Oh. Well, Aaron, we have comics next week. 
I'm very excited about comics next week. Um, so we get the conclusion of Deceased Unkillables. I'm excited about that. I, 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 I missed me some Deceased. And we're going to get a new issue of Plunge. Uh, you know, the Joe Hill we horror like book. Plunge. Yeah, I, I think that's the strongest of the Joe Hill horror books. Yeah. So we'll talk about all that and more next week. That's great. Well, we'd love to know what you thought about Superpowers or Justice League number 44 or what you're watching and streaming. Uh, so give us a call at 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. You can also hit us up on social media, uh, IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Excellent. Well, we'll do this all over again next week, Paul. See you then. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.